What is good, boys and girls? Come one, come all. Dana White's Contender Series, as Maddie tweeted out seconds ago, handing out contracts like candy to guys that aren't even fighting well. They're getting in UFC, that cheap labor from anywhere we can get it. But we are glad you are here live. UFC back off its off week, back with another Apex card this weekend. UFC Vegas 80, Grant Dawson taking on Bobby Green, UFC's deepest division at lightweight in the main event. So... We are here to break down all 11 fights that are still left on this card, and I have to bring in my buddy, my friend, the long shot legend, Mr. Matty Tanner. How you doing tonight, buddy? Dude, I was, last week, I was like, you know what? I need a break from UFC. And then as soon as that break came around, I was like, I'm pissed there's no UFC. And I can't keep betting these contender series the way I am. I think the best thing to do in a contender series is just take the over of every single fight, and it, it's going to cash, especially yeah. if there's a Dagestani in the fight. You can't rely on them to get an early finish. You have to take the over. I'm getting burned on that. But we went one and two on the contender series. We did hit the DFS play. So a small amount of profit depending on unit size. But, um, man, I had the under one and a half in that fight. Um, and Medina is just crazy chin, bro. Crazy yeah. chin. You know, it's just it just is what it is. And then in the Torres fight, I took the dog. And the fight IQ is just terrible. Like you, he literally initiated grappling sequences in the first and second round against a guy that has nine submission wins. It's like, bro, just try to piece him up on the yeah. feet. So those two losses were definitely frustrating. The first bet hit one and two on the night, a little inter entertainment expense right off. And now we're on to Boston versus green. Yeah, on to the main show. You know, I'm killing myself on the contender series. I if I just bet one unit on my money lines that I bet, I'd be up like 15 units. But I had the whale a few weeks ago that came out, and then I had two units tonight uh, yeah. inside the distance in the first fight. So I'm killing myself on unit size. That's always a good reminder. Is you know maybe scale things back if you're not getting your confidence right. But Maddie, let's uh, let's dive in. Uh, let's cool. see if anybody remembers two weeks ago when we were talking about um, a really odd fight night card. We had Bryce Mitchell bringing the Bible in, talking about Hawaii and space lasers. We had a main event that, unfortunately, only the second time you and I have been head-to-head -head since we started doing this. I don't feel good about evening the series at one because Mateusz Gamrod ended up winning only because of an ACL injury at the start there. Yeah. Um, we don't know how that fight would have played out. Um, J you know, Jake Collier got poked in the eye, so you lost that, that ridiculous Malcoon disqualification. So... Definitely a kind of a sampler platter of the terrible things that can happen to you when you bet UFC. Yeah, a hundred percent. This was one like I don't mind having a losing card and being wrong. Yeah, but man, to lose the way you I lost Collier, I poke. Then the fight changes. Malcoon, I had inside the distance, and I had the round two TKO. Yeah, round two TKO. I think was nine to one or six. To, I forgot the number was, but I go it was from. Seconds from hitting yeah. yeah i was probably gonna hit inside the distance and the round two tko i go from winning multiple units to losing multiple units it was like a six unit swing i bet a thousand dollars that's six grand out of my pocket because malcoon decides to DQ, get dq'd um and then in the main event it's like i have fazeev yeah we don't know what would have happened in that fight but fazeev was stuffing the takedowns it's like you just hate losing that way and i'm sure you don't like winning that way but it is what it is. I don't even want to talk about that fight. I want to talk about the future here. Let's move go on. Into, yeah. yeah. So uh, this one's Montana De La Rosa, JJ Aldridge, kind of a short notice fight here, Maddie. couple of vets at flyweight, neither of them particularly entertaining. Do you have any strong leans here in this first fight up on the card? 
Yeah. I mean, JJ Aldridge is honestly a fighter I can't really figure out, right? Yeah. She gets taken down three times against Lean Na. And then, but then she stuffs all of Aaron Blanchfield's takedowns. I mean, she did get yeah. submitted on the feet. Don't get me wrong, but um, I don't know. I can't figure this out. Montana did go the distance against Macy Barber, against Bueno Silva. You know, she got submitted around two by Tatiana Suarez, but I think Tatiana Suarez is top two or three pound for pound women's MMA in the world. Great. Um, so I don't take anything away from that, but this is a really tough fight. I mean, the one thing I will ask you in five wins, uh, in, in five, in, in Montana's five wins, four of them have been by finish, right? Three, three submissions and a KO. So I looked up the odds. Obviously we don't have the, the fan odds yet, but I was just kind of browsing. I saw like submissions probably around five to one odds. Wow, um, for Montana, Whoa. which I think that's a crazy number. That's and then insane. if if you're gonna take JJ Aldridge here, I think you know the decision props like plus one fifty. You get a little more juice there. I don't see her finishing anyone outside of Nah in her last fight. That was her only finish in the UFC. But what do you think about the submission prop uh, for Montana against JJ Aldridge? Well, so I I'm glad that we're on the same page right out of the gate here. I love Montana in this fight. I'm not alone. This was a minus 113 pick'em on FanDuel Sportsbook yesterday. Man, Montana De La Rosa has ballooned to minus 146 against yeah. Aldridge today. So a lot of money coming in on Montana, and I think it's kind of what you find when you do your research on this fight is that Aldridge, remember she's a former strawweight. She moved up to flyweight. So she's maybe a tiny bit undersized for this division. Got destroyed yeah. by Ariane Lipsky. Now Liang has all of these defensive shortcomings. Whereas Montana De La Rosa has been losing a lot lately, but you look at the level of competition, Macy Barber, Viviara Ujo, Myra Bueno Silva, Tatiana Suarez, like you were saying, like Montana has been fighting ranked girls. Aldridge has been a tier below that and hasn't been particularly successful with a, a negative 0.52 striking success rate. I think Montana, you, when you say she's one four over five by submit by finish, I see a weight bully here. Uh, the even the knockout, the exception was a ground finish of Ariane Lipsky. She's a little bit of a weight bully, really physical yeah. on the ground, and that's where Aldridge is melted. So submission at five to one because of the way this money line is trending, I don't think we'll ever see that legally here in the states. I imagine it'll be down below plus four hundred by the time it gets to Fanduel. Okay. Like, prop but like yeah. if you if you can access that number now i would do it because it's a great number i think montana's got a lot of advantages getting this one to the ground aldridge has really struggled with physicality pretty much anytime it's been thrown at her so i think there's a reason this line's moving toward montana and the ship might sail here soon i like that i might i want to see on fandle what the odds are of around two or three sub yeah i think yeah. that's where i'll take a look yeah, I yeah, I certainly think so as well, especially because Aldridge kind of a notorious slow starter. It could be a kind of a feeling out first round, and then you get better odds on two and three. So I think that's a good point. By the way, um, my, JJ did get a lot more tan. One of the pastiest pound for pound fighters is Aldridge. <laughs> Edgar over there, a little bit darker on the skin tone. So um, <laughs> let's move on here to actually a couple of fighters where we do have fighter picks in here. Nate Manis, kind of a junkyard dog type of guy floating around bantamweight and, and flyweight. USC veteran, went the distance with Umar taking on Mateus Medonza, who's getting a lot of points for going the distance with Javid Basharat in his UFC debut, really seemed to struggle with his cardio in that fight, and it could have been a, a dump, it could have been facing a larger guy, but these guys, as you can see, Manus last fought 140-pound catchweight, 135 for Medonza here, these guys going down all the way to 125, so what are you thinking in this one, Maddie? Yeah, I mean, what do you, what does that make you lean towards betting when both these guys are going down? 
Um, I think not only have uh, flyweight unders been historically profitable when you look at over the last 10 of the UFC, so the division leans me under. And I just see Nate Manus as a guy who at five, he, uh, we have five one on Sahai. He's five ten. We got a typo there. Um, but he's five ten. He's huge for this division. That's a lot of weight he cuts to get down to 125. Um, I think that really, really goes against his chin and how that works. And Madonsa's had cardio issues. So I, I actually think the best overall fight in in uh, best overall bet in this uh, fight is the under. Yeah, what do you think? That's price going to be priced at. Um, I would expect it's minus money favorite. Uh, you never know with flyweights. One of the reasons they're so um they're so profitable is because of the odds you get against the historical division finishing trends, which are the lowest of any men's division. But this particular matchup, I really do like the under. Manus is a guy that throws with huge power. He knocked out Tony Gravely. Um, we haven't really seen Madonsa yet, but like, the, I know it was Farid Basharat, who's really really good, right? But he had just a 29% striking defense, 40% takedown defense. Dude wasn't defending anything coming his way. Extremely yeah. exhausted. Um, yeah, so, he got outstruck 95 to 29. I have it, it was a beatdown. It was a beatdown. Yeah. I have no idea how Madonsa made it the entire distance. Yeah, no, that's absolutely wild. I, I mean, well, you're, we're looking at both these guys, and it's just like, you know, one guy, you know, survived against Basra, and then we're looking at Nate, who survived against Umar, you know? Yeah, and then, and then, Survives against Umar Nurmagomedov, who we all think could be the bantamweight champ one day. Then gets standing yeah. guillotined by his teammate, Tiger Ulenbekov. So it's like, Insane. I joked on Twitter today. I was like, I hope to get make this weight cut. He's not taking his brain out of his body and not putting it back in. Because I have no idea how you get standing guillotined as a UFC veteran. Um, but like, Manus is... Nothing, truly nothing in this fight would surprise me. Nate Manus, you know, being taller volatile chin madonsa is really fast and powerful knocks him out Manus having so much size knocks out madonsa wilts him over time finds a submission there are a lot of different outcomes in this fight so um i'm having a hard time getting a read on an exact outcome hey, did you see anything that that kind of caught your eyes about these guys's resume yeah no i mean i kind of lean the dog here but yeah. honestly i really like your read on the under i'm trying to look up to see like ballpark yeah. what that's gonna yeah, if, if I, I were if I were setting this line, I would have it far closer to Manus, just because Madonsa, while I understand the level of competition, his analytics graded out so poorly in that debut against Basharat. There is a non-zero mm -hmm. chance that he's not a UFC caliber fighter. He had the appearance on Dana White's contender series, took that on short notice at a different weight class. But Manus is not Manus is not an easy out. He beat Johnny Munoz, he beat Tony Gravely. Um, Manus has really showed well in some fights. I know he's a UFC caliber fighter. I think that's mm -hmm. well worth a small dart here, two to one. Yeah, I'm seeing fight to not go the distance around minus one sixty. That's that. That's what I would expect. Is that this one actually would lean toward the under, and I imagine it'll get juiced. It's it feels to me like a very sharp line to target, where the general trend is flyweight over. But these two particular, these guys are kind of glass cannons, a little bit Dan some Daniel yeah. Lacerda vibes here. The, like might be down the road for one of these two. I like that. Yeah. So, um, it's a really intriguing fight there at flyweight on that side. Now we'll drop back down to strawweight here. One fifteen, little monster, the girl that leaps into Michael Bisping's arms, Vanessa Demopoulos, hosting Kanako Murata out of the blue corner in this one. Kanako has not been in competition since 2021. She broke her arm against Verna Jandy Hoba. We just saw her teammate Mizuki two weeks ago at UFC Vegas 79 off a long layoff. 
here comes Murata as well. So um, intriguing, intriguing battle here. Like I, I want to see what Murata looks like with all this ring rest, but do you have anything in particular about this fight that caught your eye? Not a ton. I think Murata by decision, maybe, <laughs> but I don't really love a lot in this fight. Vanessa's lost five fights by decision. <laughs> yeah. She's very tough. She's very durable. Uh, you know, UFC debut. We just spoke about JJ Aldridge at flyweight and she, the, Vanessa Demopoulos to me, her undoing is her size. She's five to 59 inch reach advantage reach distance. That's the smallest recorded in my model last year of anybody that fought. So Vanessa has really short arms. She really struggles kind of in that striking department at distance because she can't quite get into range to clip opponents and things like that. But she throws hard. She counts on herself. She doesn't quit. And she's very durable. Um, it, it, ass kickings don't get much larger than what she faced against um, Carolina Kovalkiewicz. And that's kind of why I lean Vanessa here. You have a fighter coming off ring rust. A lot going on. We saw Mizuki Inway give moments away to Hannah Goldie a couple weeks ago. Vanessa Demopoulos is a lot more skilled than Hannah Goldie. She's got legitimate submission upside, 0.8 attempts per 15. Um, she's won that way in UFC. Actually knocked down, um, gosh, I, I think it was Maria Oliveira. So Demopoulos mm -hmm. can kind of hit pretty hard for frame. And Mirata is actually a little bit shorter in this fight. So maybe the size discrepancy isn't as big. I'm not racing to the window to bet Demopoulos, but this is women's MMA. So I like plus 255. Yeah, Murata's been KO'd before. Yeah. Um, well, that was in 2021. Yeah, Jan fight. yeah, Jandy Hoba got her when she broke her arm. Uh, she broke her arm trying to post, and then uh, and got then it. referee TKO, noted that stopped yeah. the fight. So interesting. Um, it, you know, I don't really take much from Murata's UFC debut against Randa Marcos. Randa Marcos really bad, huge losing record in UFC. Like sometimes fading a fighter like Randa Marcos and her results moving forward, you, you kind of get a bump by getting her not a UFC caliber fighter. So I think the jury's still out on Murata because Jandy Roba's pretty tough as well. Um, but Demopoulos, if she's just around for 15 minutes, it's hard not to take plus 255, in my opinion. I like it. So um, let's move on to Bantamweight here. And hey, I think it's like a striker versus wrestler dynamic, but both of these guys don't make very good decisions. So it could be another one of those weird fights where Maddie or I get some sort of tilting bet here. Aori Kilang, the Mongolian murderer, trying to return from his shield here after he got knocked out in Canada by Eamon Zahabi. I actually texted you right before that fight, Zahabi by KO at 500 plus 500. It ended mm, up hitting in seconds. Right. Um, That's right. and, and Aori's going to try to get back from that. Johnny Munoz, kid, kid, Kavembo here on the other side here, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, excellent ground game, just coming off a tough loss to, to John Castaneda, I believe. So, um, striker versus grappler here. Do you like one of these guys better than the other? They have yet to actually beat someone that has also won in UFC themselves. So I don't know if these guys are any good. Yeah. I don't think Munoz has, I was watching footage of both these guys. I just don't think Munoz has the power in his hands to hurt him. You don't think Munoz? I don't either. Munoz is much more of a grappler. He, if anything, I think you're looking at Aori by knockout here or Munoz by submission. I The the data in, in this fight is trashed or on my model, so I would never do it. But I think that is clearly what you're looking at on both sides. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I want to see what the unders priced at on this too. I don't know if it'd be a one and a half number or a two and a half. Yeah, I the the I intriguing thing here is Aori Kilang. So he starts his career flyweight, takes on Jeff Molina. You know, Jeff Molina lights him up in kind of this fight of the night thing. Then he gets Cody Durden, who we've determined is really, really good as well. So yeah. 
taking down a bunch of Cody Durden, knocked out by Jeff Molina. We don't really have a good idea of where he would have stood at flyweight, moves up to bantamweight, mm-hmm. draws a couple of guys that haven't won in UFC, including Jay Perrin and Cameron Elsie. So um, really iffy level of competition. I just have always, I texted you, I'm worried about his size and his ability to ab- absorb power here. And we saw that against Zahabi, where just a 48% striking defense opening was created right away the Canadian finished him. So I don't necessarily know if that's a concern for him here. I'd be much more concerned if I were him about his takedown defense, which is just 55%. Munoz is a guy that tries over nine takedowns per 15. It's what he does. He's been unsuccessful at times, like against Nate Manus. So um, mm-hmm. I, I like Munoz here as a slight dog. I, I just don't trust Aori's size, and I don't trust his takedown defense enough to not go with a guy who's incredibly skinny. It wouldn't surprise me if Munoz found like kind of like a leg lock or a cheeky submission in this fight because there is a wide, wide gap in the grappling ability between these two. And I will say Munoz 59% striking defense has been very good, like per minute, but he did get smoked by uh, the aforementioned Tony Gravely. So a little bit of chin concerns. That's kind of why I'm thinking Aori by knockout or Munoz by submission, but I do prefer the slight dog. I'm interested to see where this money goes at basically a pick them here and how it follows throughout the week. Munoz by submission, you're looking at just under three to one. Interesting. So that has to be one of the favorite outcomes of the fight, correct? Aori um, by points or knockout in front of that? Yeah, that's more. That's more favored than points. Interesting. That's Interesting. uh, yeah, it's more favored by points, and then the KOs eight to one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I interesting point in the, in the comments. Does Munoz even try to win? Because he's had some really odd fights, like go, bulldozing into Nate Manus's takedown defense. He has been outshined on the ground by by other foes as well. Really, just more of like a tricky submission guy. But I think he also hasn't faced someone that has as poor of defense as Aori Kilang does. I I do think Munoz could actually get some traction with his wrestling in this fight. That. Um, that, that we don't see coming, but a Ricky Lang hits hard. I definitely see, I, um, I think some markets will offer you, like you can bet Aori by knockout or Munoz by submission. That might be a curious prop that I'll have my eye on. Mm. So let's move on here, um, to a fight that, uh, hopefully we can get, unfortunately, rest in peace. This fight, Chris Gutierrez Montel yeah. Jackson off the card. Just a few, hours. I was looking forward to this fight too. So much. Hey, who did, who did you like? Just, just quickly. Uh. I'm curious. I was so torn going back and forth on this. I like yeah. the number on Chris, but oh man. I ultimately felt like Montel had more ways to win the fight. I was torn as well. Um mm-hmm. but like Gutierrez, if you go back and watch his fight against Cody Durden, um I I I think that Montel would have had some success with his wrestling in this fight. And he's toolsy and he has very good head defense. Like he moves his head well off the center line. I think that he would have been able to avoid enough of the damage. Now, the thing about Gutierrez Gutierrez can just take your leg out and then, and then you're done for. Um, so that's yeah. always the risk about betting against him. Right. No, I totally agree. We, we've right. got a split consensus in the chat, which meant it was a good fight, but unfortunately rest. Yeah. We'll talk about Chris 100%. Gutierrez next week. He's taking on El Tang Haile. So we will preview that one next week, but we'll move on to this, which by the way, if you listen to my podcast every Friday, I'm going to shamelessly plug it. Number fire daily fantasy podcast feed. I do a full betting and DFS breakdown for, for the entire card. This is my fight of the night. I can't wait for this one between Carolina really? and Diana Belbita. I think these ladies are going to trade in a phone booth for 15 minutes. Neither one of them very 
confident grapplers, not a ton of power here on both sides and both land over 5.6 significant strikes per minute. Carolina, the old dog, right? The former title challenger, probably the experience advantage, but four inches of reach and youth on the side of Belbita. Maddie, do you, mm. do you kind of see, um, do you kind of see this fight playing out one way or another? Yeah, it's hard for me to pass up on the plus money here. I, f- I have a feeling we're going to be on opposite sides on this one. Yeah. But are we? Nope. I like Belbita. I, I do. Okay. Uh, I'm a little nervous about it because I was really concerned with some of her technique against Maria Oliveira, who's not someone I have a very high opinion of. But I yeah. love Belbita's tools for this division her reach. She's got mm. power. She's got a career knockdown, which I don't think Kelvin Cabbage has had a knockdown since I was in college, maybe. Um, and. <laughs> And I think Belbita is also a sneaky, cheeky prop that might be right up your alley. Belbita by submission in this fight is probably going to pay a pretty nice number, but Belbita's long limbs, she's shown an ability to try to go for an arm bar before and things like that. Cole Kavich, last time she was submitted, caught in an arm bar. Um, I think that might be a cheeky prop in this fight that I'm keeping my With eye Jessica on. Penne, too. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, look, the highs are high for Carolina. I mean... She she beaten Thug Rose years and years ago, but then yeah. being submitted to Jessica Penne, you know, and she's fought. I mean, she losing to Alexa Grasso, Jessica Andraz. I mean, she's fought really good competition, but I just feel like I just like the youth here at plus money. Yeah, I do as well. I, you just kind of have to ask when the age is going to catch up to Cole Kavich. Just like uh, at men's bantamweight, women's strawweight is not a a favorable place to age. We've seen some, some of yeah. the legacy like Joanna really started to tail off toward the end of her career. Last fight for Kovalkiewicz, perfect matchup against Vanessa Demokla. She was the better striker, five inch reach advantage. She just poked away from the outside for 15 minutes. I don't think she's going to be able to do that to Belbita here. Belbita is very aggressive. She actually lands more significant strikes per minute with a higher accuracy than Carolina Kovalkiewicz does. So I'm really intrigued in this fight, man. I, 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 I'm getting clowned because it is women's straw weight. It doesn't matter. So maybe it's not a great fight, but I think these ladies are just going to trade for 15 minutes straight. No, I agree with you. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm now more excited for that fight. Yeah. We got another banger here in the featured prelim as well here. Featherweight. Alex Hernandez said his dick didn't work at featherweight, but he's going back down because lightweight wasn't working out either. He's taking on our guy, senior perfecto, Bill Algio, kind of a stingy veteran, got his call last minute, took on Ricardo Lamas, barely survived. And look at this career he's built, including a, a knockout earlier this year of TJ Brown in Kansas City. This is a feature prelim for a reason. I think it's another one of these bangers right outside the rankings at featherweight. Um, we've got good data on these guys as well, so we'll get into my model as well. Maddie, do you have a lean in this fight? Because this is one I was really going to ask you about because I've actually already bet this fight for CLV purposes, but I don't know mm-hmm. if I feel totally convicted in my side. Yeah. Look, I I, I like how Alex, Alex, Alexander Hernandez got that decision win against Jim Miller. Yeah. I had... I had Jim Miller in that fight, and I'll tell you what, I can see a similar outcome here. I think the decision prop for Hernandez is like is going to be around plus three fifty, and I see a lot of action on Algio by finishing this fight. Um, and I feel like Hernandez looked a lot better. Like it feels like he finally has came around, and he looked a lot better. I, I, I'm a Jim Miller guy. Like I okay. think that even at the age that he's at, like I still think he's super underrated and really solid. And I thought the decision prop was actually, uh, I thought it was actually impressive. He, he got that win. 
Yeah, it, it is. I, I got a question for you. Knowing yeah. what you know about Bill Algio, if he and Jim Miller were going to fight at 155, who who would you take as a, an outright pick? I'm just curious because I think that answer is up in the air. If, if chat wants to weigh in as well, Algio and Miller, it, that would be an interesting fight at 55 because Bill has always been kind of big for, for featherweight. Like he, I, I think he could hold his own. Um, you know, Jim Miller used to be a featherweight as well. So, um, I, I am on the other side here. I like Bill Algio. The only problem is I see that he's all over Twitter this week and the Twitter mush thing is very real. Um, Hernandez has faded badly over the course of the, you and I were both sweating Jim Miller that night. Miller had a submission locked in pretty late in that fight because Jim was, I know. And I, I needed it so bad. Right. And, and he I started had a submission drop. Yeah. Um, and, and Algio is a very similar fighter in the same, in the same realm of you think about Hernandez's fight with Billy Quarantillo. Algio is not quite the cardio machine Quarantillo is, but I also think he's technically better than Billy is. Billy, Billy kind of just takes your punches until you're tired and then just melts you with punches of his own. That's kind of his strategy. Right. Whereas Bill Algio, I think he's technically better than, than Billy. We saw that. And what I love about Algio is he is maybe the best featherweight unranked fighter at weathering a storm. Her Herbert Burns, you remember Gilbert Burns' brother? I think it was in Long Island last year. Just came out mm -hmm. through like eight submission attempts at him, was trying to finish him, knocked him down, hurt him. TJ Brown hurt him in Kansas City. I think weathering a storm is a valuable skill to have against Alexander Hernandez. And Algio's not been finished professionally since I think 2014. So I already laid minus 130 with him. He's sitting at minus, uh, let's see what he's at, minus 146 on FanDuel Sportsbook right now. So he's climbing. He's definitely getting more love in this fight. Um, but I like Alex. But I, I will say, I've always had you like, a, you you like Bill, I, right? I like Bill. I like Bill. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, you want to know if it's funny? You know how they ruled the, the win against Herbert Burns? Yeah. Exha exhaustion from damage. <laughs> <laughs> I was at. The, I think I was at that fight. Was I at that fight live? It was in Long Island, I so I don't. I don't no, know. No, I wasn't at that fight live, but I remember it so clearly. And it was just like he just completely faded. Yeah, was it, it, that done. was the worst cardio display maybe we've seen in UFC, where he just had about three hot minutes and then was hanging on for dear life. I I think that was yeah. only the first career. Uh, first UFC career win inside the distance for Algio, and he just got number two. Um, yeah, I, I mean, what do you what do you think Algio's most impressive win has been, though? Um, win is an interesting constellation there. I thought he got robbed against Andre Feely. I thought he won the fight, and to me, that was his most impressive performance. That's fair. Um, um it, but it, win it was an interesting question. Um, mm. the the thing that I also want to throw out here. I've got love in my heart for Factory X Muay Thai. It's near my house, so like I have to. I'm starting to really get sketched out by some of the bad game plans that I see have seen from Factory X recently. You think of some of Anthony Smith recent fights. I I don't always think Brandy Royville goes in with the right game plan. Jacoby Jones on the Contender Series a couple weeks ago just couldn't figure anything out. I don't feel like they adjust very well in fight with Mark Montoya. And I, it pains me to say that because I like factory. Cody Brundage is another factory X guy as well. And that's where you talk about game plans and things like that. I don't love what I'm seeing from that department. And Hernandez is now working over at factory X. So um, just a thought, a thought I'd throw out there. Yeah. So this, interesting what, what, are, what are your thoughts on the over under here? Cause the fight to go the distance is around probably around even money here. Um, 
I I kind of lean toward the over, given I believe Hernandez will be more conservative at the start. I think he's aware of his gas tank issues. Algio is legendarily durable with great cardio. I, I don't think there's been a second in a Bill Algio fight where he's been the less fresh of the two fighters. That's a very Quarantillo type of trait. Um, mm-hmm. So I think Hernandez is conservative early on, and I kind of lean toward the over. I like that. Yeah, budget no, I, I'm, I'm liking the fight. Yeah. Budget featherweight is a great, great comparison. <laughs> now I'm it honestly be... liking the fight to get a distance. I actually yeah. really like that. We'll see what we can get on that because I think the, the rap is Hernandez is going to gas. Algio is going to finish him. That's the handicap you see a lot on Twitter. Maybe the contrarian over is the play there. Right. hundred cool. percent. So let's hop up onto the main card here. I'm sure this fight's oh, going to be stupid as all heck. Um, I can't wait to get your opinion on this guy because it, we, again, we, we try our best to not talk about the not super obvious stuff. Obviously Maddie already put a play out for this, this card on Twitter. So I was able to talk to him about it, but Ewan Cute Laba here taking on Felipe Linz. Felipe Linz, sneaky old at 37, just got that grind of a win against Maxime Grishin earlier this year. Ewan Cute Laba took some money out of you and I's pockets. We liked Tanner Boser that night, right? Kind of an early stoppage, but Cute Laba mm-hmm. did look good in that fight. Both these guys coming off a win. Both of these guys, not the smartest UFC fighters historically, could be volatile. I, I'm curious if you're leaning to, to one of these knuckleheads or another. Yeah, if you're if you're in the MMA math, you know, Cute Laba finished Tanner Boser in round one. Yeah. Tanner Boser finished Felipe Linz, right, in round one. Interesting. I think it was round one, too. So that's something to look at there. Here's what I will ask you, and this this is the type of fight that I will 100% fire some long shots on. Yep. And Ian Kutalaba has been submitted four times in yeah. the UFC. Felipe Lenz has zero submissions in the UFC, but four in MMA. Yep. And I look, I took an early peek on, you know, again, these odds are not available yet in the US, but I took an early peek, and those submission props are massive. Like the, the submission prop for the fight, you're looking at, Eight or nine to one. Whoa. Round, round one is plus 1,800 for Felipe Lins. Round two, plus 2,200. I mean, there are some massive submission props. And, like, I think Kutalab is either going to come out and starch this dude because yeah. Felipe Lins doesn't really move. His, he, does, he doesn't have great head movement, right? No. He just does it. But if, if Kutalaba comes aggressively at him and then maybe eventually goes for a takedown, like – I just think anything is live there, especially if his if his gas tank goes. Um, but Linz has four submissions in MMA before coming into the UFC. Let me see if I can pull that up there. I, again, I don't really know who they were against. Um, these are back in Bellator. So to, uh, two in 2014. Um, I don't have to find the other two, but it's definitely been a while. Yeah. Uh, actually, one in PFL in 2018. A guillotine yeah. choke in 2018. I'm telling you right now, there is a significant probability that I will play these long shots here. Let, let me back you up, and then let me also give you some food for thought in that there's no way that number should be that way against Elon Cute Laba because Johnny Walker fought Cute Laba, never attempted a submission in UFC in a long UFC game. <laughs> Attempts That's three, right. gets the first round finish, right? Yeah. Um, and Cute Laba also submitted via guillotine by Ryan Spann. Like, that is, to me, his kryptonite. It is his, a, He is a white belt. The dude does not understand jiu-jitsu. He doesn't understand positioning when he's getting choked. The only thing I would say about Lin's professional submissions, they came at heavyweight. So the skill threshold is much lower for, for those submissions. Yeah. I'd like to see what type of submissions they were and who he was facing. Because, like, I think you or I could probably, if we had the size, could submit Walt Harris. Like, that's the type of jiu-jitsu you can get up at heavyweight in some areas. Yeah. 
but QT Laba has a big, big time issue with that. So I don't hate that. I don't hate that angle at all. But I do love Iwan in this fight just because I think Felipe Linz has kind of risen to a ranking that I don't believe he he deserves based on skill. He just has kind of grinded against Maxime Grishin. He knocked out a totally washed OSP. Like QT Laba is a guy that has fought a lot of ranked competition. Got Ankalaev twice, got Johnny Walker, got Ryan right. Smith. He's got a lot of high-level experience. And by the way, he's got a lot of high-level success. He completely destroyed a guy in Devin Clark, who I think no doubt has better jujitsu than Felipe Linz. So um yeah. Q.J. Laba, I, I just think he's I, maybe one of the dumbest guys in UFC. I don't think he's ever not going to come in there with the intentions to knock a dude's head off. And I think it's going to happen. On It's been a while since Q.J. Laba just sparked a dude in the first round. I, I think that's probably more so the way that I think he, this fight goes. Linz, not very, not very quick. Heavyweight speed, 37 years old. It just sounds awful. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just like the value Ian Kutalaba just man, something he's about so him is he's so hit or miss. I mean, he went on that three fight skid. <laughs> it's he's choked so by dumb. Ryan Span, Johnny Walker, Kennedy and Joku. Like, yeah. I'm not high on that dude whatsoever. I I, I took the Dustin Jacoby round one KO against yep. him. That I think it was twelve to one or something crazy. Um, I don't know. I'm just not high on that dude at all. And I mean, he lost to him in in the round in round two, but again, I think Felipe Linz has to just survive the first like two three minutes of this fight, and then I think he's live. Interesting. I I will say that that number is large enough where I feel like I would have a safe hedge. Where if I was concerned about Linz winning this fight, I do believe it would be by submission because Ewan just can continuously runs himself into these terrible positions. So um, I I may end up on that side with you, and it's just to hedge a larger position on Qt Laba. Yeah. So, um, interesting, interesting fight. So, um, let's move on to one. That's not. So I texted you that. I think this is a borderline criminal act by UFC to have Ricky Glenn face drew Dober. We see that through the money line odds. We have minus 40 there. It's all the way up to minus five 30. Now for my dude, the handsome chin training out here with elevation, um, fight team, the old veteran country boy, Ricky Glenn got that big knockout of Joaquin Silva, the Christos Jagos fight he ended up face first on the canvas himself. I don't understand this when these are, these guys have been fighting. Dober's been fighting ranked competition. He got Matt Frivola in his last fight. Didn't go well. And Ricky Glenn's mm-hmm. been losing to dudes who are not even close to the rankings. I don't get the matchup. I don't get anything. And I think Dober absolutely stomps this dude. What do you think, bud? Yeah, man. <laughs> Here's the thing I'll say about Dober, though. Yeah. Even in his wins, he's looked really bad at times. I mean, he got destroyed against Terrence McKinney. He, that's probably the that could be a top two or three comeback in UFC history. Right. He took full knees to the face. There's probably 50% of the refs in the world would have probably stopped that fight. Um, and he, they didn't stop it. And then he comes back and finishes McKinney. The the Frivola fight. I, I'll first to admit I lost money on that fight. I did not see Favola getting him out of there, um, but all the signs were there. Yeah, you know it's like he hadn't been finished before or hadn't been knocked out before, um, and uh, but he gets tagged a lot. But is Ricky Glenn really the guy that <laughs> is going to be able to do that? <laughs> Drew Dober apparently really focusing on head movement and training his defense. Um, he's a new father. He's a father now. Oh. Another child or first child, but new baby narrative, new baby narrative. Yeah, super motivated, super focused. Um, but yeah, he should probably start this dude. I mean, what what price point would you need for a round one finish to play it here or a round one KO for Dober? Yeah, 
Oh my gosh. Uh, I, I mean, I think you could play, I think I could play it up to minus minus one fifty. Um, it, it is like I, for a round one KO, because the thing about Dober is his punching power. Oh, knockdown rate over one percent is the upside. Um, everything else I kind of take with a grain of salt and that yes, 51% striking defense, which, you know, a lot of comments in the chat, he eats too much damage. He's eating a lot of damage. That's not, Considering his level of competition, which is near the rankings, that is not a bad number. It's probably like 60th percentile or so at lightweight. Ricky Glenn at 52%, much lower threshold of entry. I think Glenn is getting a lot of a bump here in a fight because of his fight against Grant Dawson, who we're going to talk about in the main event. Just the weirdest result for Dawson where it ends up being a draw because Glenn got a 10-8 third round. Uh, Dawson adrenaline dumped in the fight and Glenn was able to survive a fight that he was losing handily up to that point. I, I just like you're talking about, I can't, could it be Ricky Glenn guy that hits hard Dober takes a lot of damage. So maybe this is like picking up pennies in front of a bulldozer here, but I still trust drew. I trust his level of competition training with Justin Gaethje. I just see these two on totally different planes of mixed martial artists. And even though, yes, he was behind Terrence McKinney. I have a high opinion of McKinney and um, he did find a way to survive the damage and come back in that fight. And, um, you know, you and I were on opposite sides. You liked Dover. I liked Travola. So, like, I don't think he's taken a horrific loss yet. Um, Bobby yeah, no, Matt Travola is really good. And I'll tell you yeah. what, in his upcoming fight, that those odds have, have, have grown in the opposite direction. And now it's to the point where you have to wonder if he's a good dog pick. Against Benoit, St. Denis. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I haven't seen one. I haven't seen one. He's like a three-to-one dog now. Or pretty wow. close. Wow. He can wrestle. People don't know that he can wrestle too. Yeah, that's how he beat um he beat Jalen Turner back in the day by wrestling. So right. we're 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 previewing a different fight just because this one is so terrible and so uninteresting. I I, <laughs> I think I think most of the time you look at Dover here by knockout. Is it yeah, so that's gonna be around plus one sixty in round one? I think um, that's a I think that's more than a fair number. Um anything around yeah. even money to me would be fair. Or if you want Ricky Glenn to starch him in round one, you're going to get 17 to one on your money there. Yeah. If in 2022, so last year, you would put Drew Dober and um, if you put Drew Dober and uh, Christos Jagos in a fight, Dober would have been like a minus 750 favorite. So I think there's a little bit of recency bias with, with this matchmaking. But did yeah. you see the odds on over? <laughs> I picked Matt Favola over say that's very interesting. We'll, we'll get there, but yeah, I totally agree. Matt Favola follows me on Instagram now, so I don't even know if I can really? pick against him. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, you always got to go with the guys, but I know. I think perfect not- transition to your guys here in this fight because anybody that follows you on Twitter already knows where you land on this one. It is a welterweight banger between Joaquin Buckley, the ninja kick heard around the world. Um, really carved out a nice UFC career for himself. Got a a little bit under the radar after the kick taking on a guy that is completely under the radar. Alex Morona would have never guessed he's fought 17 times in UFC. He's won 12 of them. He's beaten a lot of good dudes. Um, couple of vets going at it here, Maddie. Why do you like Alex Morono three units level like him? Yeah, this is so. This is one of my more. This is one of my favorite dogs of the year. I'm gonna be honest though. I'm still scared about it. Like people don't sure. understand that when I'm increasing my unit size, it's based off of value. It's not based off of oh, there's no chance this guy can lose. Like we all understand, Alex Morono can lose this fight if he gets caught. We've seen it before. It happened in the Ponzinibbio fight. But here's the thing. Morono stepped up on short notice and dominated Ponzinibbio for two rounds. Then he gets caught in round three. I believe Alex Morono is the, the much more rounded guy. 
and can win this fight in three different ways by submission by, by maybe a tko maybe that's the least likely yeah or by decision which i think he's going to edge out of decision um joaquin buckley is a specimen man he's he's a, i believe he's a southpaw he's tricky chris curtis today on twitter is saying that he's the most difficult striker he's faced even though he finished them um he's explosive he's tough to figure out on the feet yeah i trust the fight iq of alex morono um, I also like the sneaky submission abilities that the fight goes to the ground. I think he's live to get those submissions maybe late, but I do believe that Morono can edge out a decision here. Um, and I think I've, I'm just a big Alex Morono guy. I took him in round two submission. Nice. I sprinkled the round two of th and three submissions against Tim Means. The round two hit at plus 2,500. I couldn't believe when that hit because the fight wasn't on the ground at all, right? And right. Then he, it was just it was just a sick hit. I was so pumped about that. So maybe people can make the argument that um, I'm letting that bias from that win come into right. this fight. But I just think that Morono is the much more well-rounded guy. But again, power is always going to be the ultimate equalizer. So there's no doubt about it that Morono could get caught in this fight. However, I make this fight a pick -em. So you're going to give me someone at plus 160. I got it at plus 165. I locked it in for three bands. Mm -hmm. I'm pumped to watch this fight. I'm going to be sweating like crazy. Like that's just the reality of it. Cause we all know that he could get tagged, but on a full camp, I think this is the fight. Morono wins convincingly and then starts to make a, not make a run for the belt, but make a run into the rankings and up the rankings. I do think he's really good. And I think he's underrated. Yeah, I, I certainly think so. But the thing about that guillotine choke on Tim beans, you mentioned it was fast it looked like charles Oliveira jumping guillotine it was really yeah. really impressive now Dude, he's I, underrated there he's i, really I will say if my house was on the line like a like a signature for my mortgage was on the line for a straight yeah. pick in this fight i probably would go with joaquin buckley just a lot of danger to survive for 15 minutes for anybody especially now at welterweight instead mm -hmm. of middleweight where he hits like a hammer but like right. you, my model's pretty much on the exact same page as you 55 50.5 so a little bit over 50 percent that Morono wins outright analytically. And the reason why is Buckley's always been a guy I've struggled with. He has just a 32% striking accuracy. That is absolutely dreadful for a bantamweight, much less someone that is this large. Typically, if you're missing that much, you're leaving yourself wide open for counters. And that's the type of precision mm -hmm. that Morono can capitalize on. He doesn't have a lot of punching power, like raw punching power, but he's very precise. He's very accurate. Um, as was the, you know, I think Buckley will probably try to avoid takedowns in this fight. I think he'll try to stay standing because of Morono's sneaky stuff off the back where, where Morono's gotten into trouble. 50% takedown defense is with guys trying. I don't, I, I think that he, Buckley would be putting himself in grave danger to take Morono down over and over again, because I bet he's got triangles. I bet he's got arm bars. I bet he's got all that stuff off his back, given how the guillotine looks. So I agree with you. I think he can win by, you know, maybe a TKO, maybe gets the right precise shot on a guy that's pretty inaccurate submission and decision. I've always found Buckley to be a little bit of an overvalued stock after the kick. You know, that's what he's famous 100%. for, but his yep. three losses in UFC, Kevin Holland, Chris Curtis, Nasirdine Imavov. So you can't really yep. rip on the guy's results either. So um, I think we right. have two. But you can also look at some of his wins. If Terrible. you look at the Morono, the Morono, not the Morono, the um, uh, he was uh, losing to Antonio Portugal. Arroyo. Who, who did he just beat? I had uh, Fialio. 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 Yeah. Thank you. I was a big Andre Fialio fan, but it's safe to say at this point that Andre Fialio gets. 
gets touched up by, by everyone, everyone who fights. Yeah. Everyone, right? And honestly, that was a very close fight up until it wasn't. You know, and everyone else that has fought Andre Fialio, look at Tim Means. Tim Means was dominating that fight all yep. like all three rounds before the finish, right? So, and then I look at Tim Means going up against Alex Morono. You know, it's very close cool. first round, but then Morono submits him in round two. Um, look, guys, this is pure value to me. You cannot tell me that Alex Morono should be plus one sixty five here. You know, if you make him plus one twenty, I probably make this a one unit play, right? If it's a pick him, I probably don't even take him. But yeah. you're going to give me plus 165 on this dude, three-unit play. I'm hammering it, and I'm excited to watch this fight. Yeah, I'm I'm totally on the same page as you. I'll be on Morono's money line and likely a prop of some sort. Um, I'm, I'm, not just I'm probably going to look at round two, three, some. I, I just I'll, have I'll to probably, do it. Yeah, I'll probably just hail you on that one. Because like, no of, more than 0.2 units a pop. Yeah. Um, but, you know... We, I have to. I have to. We have, I have so to look at the number. We have so much consensus in chat. You feel so great. I feel so great. So Morono's going to get starched in a few seconds, like he did against Chaos Williams. That's just what's going to yeah. happen. Here's the thing I've learned, it. though, bro. The more yeah. people, the more that uh, it scares me to death when I give out a, a big play and everyone yeah. loves it. it scares me to death. Yeah, me and too. the amount of kick, the amount of pushback I've gotten on this play, I get Joaquin Buckley is a fan favorite. But it makes me like this Moreno bet way more that everyone hates it. Oh, you're getting pushback. I'm getting getting a lot of pushback because everyone's saying, and again, everyone's saying what is very accurate, which is Buckley has, you know, much more power in his hands. Like I'm the first person to admit that. Um, But I'm just getting a lot of pushback on social media about this. I mean, some people, you know, like some people do like the pick, um, but I'm getting a lot of pushback on it, which makes me like it more. I, I I totally agree, but so let's go. Uh, let's go, bud. That's probably our last decently competitive fight of the night. We got a co-main event here: B. Joe Pfeiffer, Joe Body Bags Pfeiffer, friend of Dana White, uh, roommate of Dana White, whatever the rumors you want to have. Um, taking on Abdul Razak Al Hassan here, UFC vet. We've seen him a long time. Um, this guy's at middleweight. Uh, you know, Abdul fought a lot of his career at welterweight, but he's since moved up to 185 for the last two or three fights. Piper's a really big favorite here for a guy that is just a couple of UFC fights and not even eight minutes of octagon time into his UFC career. Are you buying yeah. hype on, on mean Joe Piper or you think the dog might be worth a dart here, bud? Dude, I think Joe Piper's really good, man. Yeah. I think he's really well-rounded. He's got really good power in his hands. I mean, there's, he can, this guy can do everything, you know? I mean, that GM three fight was impressive as hell. I was at that fight live. And I hit big on that knockout prop. Um, but, man, he's good. He's honestly really, really good. Um, I need to watch more tape here on his opponent. I haven't watched a ton of tape, just to be honest. Um, but Same. I think if you're going to bet this fight, you take Pfeiffer inside the distance here. For sure. Um, what do you think about a – you think like a submission could be live here? I, w- I was going to go into that here. So, by the way, on Abdul Razak Al-Hassan's tape, don't even bother. He either just starches the dude really fast with an overhand right or he gets destroyed. So there's your tape study. Okay. Abdul. I will say here, I, I think what Abdul, who's now sneaky old at 37, when he first broke in and he was at welterweight, this dude was a guy that had like, put your lights out power, cannot ignore power. Now that he's at middleweight because he had so much so many issues cutting weight, He's not really scary. Went to the second round with Claudio Ribeiro, who who was kind of, you know, a little bit of an unskilled slugger, not not overly special himself. Um, totally ragdolled by Jacob Malkoon. Uh, Joaquin Buckley took him down five times, and we hadn't seen a lot yeah. of wrestling out of Joaquin before that fight. If, so, nothing roughy, but if Joe Pfeiffer fought Jacob Malkoon, who would you take? 
Oh boy. Um, I, it depends on the number. It depends on the number, like a betting number. But if I was taking a straight pick, I would probably go with Piper just because of what we've seen with Malcoon's chin at distance a little bit yeah. to this point. Um, but like when you look at Piper, he's landed both of the takedown attempts he's had in UFC affiliated appearances. So contender series or UFC octagon. So he can wrestle a little bit and he can grapple. Like we, we had someone in here saying that he can grapple a lot. That is where Abdul has extremely struggled. I think Abdul was a little lucky that Buckley and that Malcoon are not guys that have a great submission base. I think Joe Piper's got some submission. It's in his kit. So I actually have on my FanDuel research article that I published on Friday. I already typed it in there. I think everyone's going to kind of bet like a knockout, like he's going to go right at him. I think Piper would be well advised to shoot in this fight. I think he'll have a lot of success. I don't see what I think he's a superior ground. I honestly don't see that. That's the perfect game plan. Like it, it all comes down to ego. Does he want to just knock this dude out to do it? But the path to victory is an instant takedown. It's his, his fight. You know, did you watch the, the grappling fight against GM3? In uh, For whom? Uh, Pfeiffer? So, so Pfeiffer knocks out GM3 and then fought him at Fury Pro Grappling. Oh, this is my day. first time This is my first time hearing it. Wait, how'd it go? I didn't see it, but I'm looking on Tapology right now, and he won a decision against GM3 and grappling. Well, that's – I mean – that is more than passing the test, right? Because we know DM3 can grab. <laughs> I'm telling you, bro, he's extremely well-rounded. I want to yeah. see what these submission props are. Again, I'm not going to be shocked whatsoever if he starts his dude in first round. Um, but I do think there's going to be value on the sub props here. Yeah, I, I want to apologize. We got some we, we've had a few weights uh heights listed as five foot one. We'll get that corrected. I I five foot one and 185 pounds was what Deron Wynn was. If you remember Deron Wynn when he was with UFC, <laughs> that was Deron Wynn, but um, like, but we'll get that fixed up. It looks like it might be like a character issue type of thing going on, but, um, yeah. we're, I know he's not five, one other, I, otherwise Joe Pfeiffer should be minus 2,500. So I like <laughs> Pfeiffer. Um, I, I do like that submission angle because I think it's his path of least resistance. And, um, we talked about this a little bit with Bo nickel when these prospects are coming up and they're handed favorable yeah. matchups, they kind of want to show their stuff. We've seen the hands. We've seen the power from Pfeiffer. Let's see yep. the grappling. You know what I mean? You ready for so, this? Yep. So Pfeiffer round one submission twelve plus twelve hundred, round two plus sixteen hundred, round three plus twenty five hundred, and then the KO the KO props plus one seventy five plus five fifty plus nine hundred. So that means that means I'm at least getting eight to one probably on a normal sub prop with Pfeiffer in this fight. Yeah, you, you um, always go for the round. It says plus five fifty, but close. Plus five fifty. I like the rounds because here's the way I look at it, right? I'm a three-round yep. fight. I would rather take a round two, three, or a round one, two than yeah. take the number in the fight. And if I lose because of one round, like, now again, if if I can't understand how I think the fight's going to go, right? Like, if I'm taking a guy against a guy that might gas, yep. obviously I would take the round two, three sub prop or the round two, three KO prop. But yep. if I'm taking a guy that starts fast and I'm going to one, two, and look, there are scenarios where there's a time where I'll take the round two, three, and he'll get a round one finish. That's just part of the game. But yeah. I'd much, I'd much rather stagger it, go round two, three, round one, two. In this scenario, I think one, two would make sense. Agreed. Get the big numbers on the submission prop. Um, this is going to be fireworks early, but yeah, I think he it, gets that takedown. Yeah, and the books are good at what they do, and they're going to have under one and a half juice to the gills in this fight for a good reason because that's kind of how Abdul has fought his entire career. I think yeah. adding to your point – Rizago Hassan's not been a guy that has been super easy to just light up 55% striking defense. So it's pretty good. 
Like Piper's path to least resistance is absolutely the takedown defense in this fight. So um, I, I think round one, two submission is a nice kit, Maddie. I really like that. So I like uh, it. I like let's, it. let's see if we can find some value on another big favorite here in our main event. It is not the most glamorous main event in the world. Um, but if you have not gotten to watch Grant Dawson fight yet, probably yeah. for the best, he's not always the most entertaining guy. A lot of back he control. Damn good in his last fight though. He absolutely did against a guy in Demiraz Magulov, who was the favorite in that fight, who is a guy that was unbeaten for, I think, like 16 straight fights before that. Um, I actually think it was almost even more impressive that he completely ragdolled Mark Madsen, who's a silver medical silver medalist. 100%. Olympic wrestling. Um, just totally. He had the guys back the entire fight and submitted him in the third round, which is good to yep. see that finishing upside. Like Dawson trains an American top team. And you think of some of the, the lightweights in, in that gym, Mateusz Gamrot, um, I, I'm going to miss so many names like the ATT. Can you help me on this? I like, I, yeah. I don't know. I'm spacing the entire room, but it's a lot of wrestling and grappling guys on uh, Tiago Moises is in that room um, as well. So he's got a lot of elite training par partners and he's a good fighter. He's a really good fighter and potentially a championship contender. I think he's filled out well at lightweight taking on a guy that I've always loved. Bobby King green. I bet on him so many times I cashed on him as a dog so many times. Um, I strayed away from him with Tony Ferguson, which I there was an eye poke again in that fight that kind of changed things. How sick was that round three submission? So many people probably lost so much money because of yeah, that. Yeah, uh, it, it was a <laughs> slick submission as well. And that, that's kind of the thing about Bobby. He's a little bit underrated everywhere. This is a guy that took a third round off of Fazeev in the striking department, okay? Um, yeah. Like, I mean, he he beat Lando Venata, pillar to post is a fight that you recall. Took the Islam Makachev fight on one week's notice. He wasn't going to win it anyway, but like that was for a paycheck. By I the way, think, I don't think it matters. Did, did I yeah. tell you what happened to me on that fight? Yeah, you had sub, right? And then everyone. Yeah, everyone so got I posted a TikTok about how long ago is this fight? A couple years? Yeah. It was a couple years ago. It got 900,000 views on TikTok. I bet, uh, I bet uh, Islam by submission, he takes him down to the ground, dominating him. Submit submission threats after submission threats. Bobby Green does not like to get submitted. Yep. Like he would rather get TKO'd. And I'll tell you one thing, I've, I'm going to love the value when it drops on this Grant Dawson uh, KO yeah. prop or TKO. I really think it's going to hit in this. I thought, but let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. I think his inside the distance is going to be around minus 130, minus 140. Right. How can you not hammer that? Yeah, because I think in this, uh, in some ways, Dawson's patience will reward that number, and that he was extremely patient against his Magulov. He didn't really force things. Demiro's Magulov is a really high level grappler, and there's some guys in UFC that are not subbable. Like their submission defense is just too good. It's I think good, yeah. Danny Ige is a perfect example. How many bad positions did Bryce Mitchell have Danny Ige in? The dude understands what he's doing. He's not going to get caught with anything that Bryce Mitchell's trying to set up. I think Bobby Green's been around the block so long that he's a little bit that way. Um, maybe like a power rear naked choke, but I, I'm so with you on Dawson inside the distance where it's great value here when I think this is actually a step back in competition for Grant. Would you agree? It's not even yeah. close. Here's the way I look at this fight. Bobby Green does have good takedown defense, but right. based on what I saw with Grant Dawson against Madsen and Demir. I think when Dawson does get this fight to the ground, I think he's going to have his absolute way with him. Yep. Um, I think it's just going to be good position. I think he's going to eventually get like mount and he's just going to tee off on him. I love Grant Dawson's side of the distance here. I'm a good, I'm a Bobby green guy as well, but me too. I mean, look, you can take Bobby. The problem with Bobby green in this fight is 
Is he really going to starch Grant Dawson? Like, how does right. he win? Is he going to just stuff takedowns for five rounds? Right. Like, I just think that this is a, an absolute hammer spot on Grant Dawson inside the distance with a yeah. sprinkle on maybe like around, I think, two to four KO props here is what I would look at, um, or maybe around two, three. I like that split. I'm just a little worried that Bobby gets overwhelmed early. Like maybe one, two mm. is, is what really? you know, because like yeah. we saw how quickly things spiraled with the Islam fight. And I think Dawson is yeah. that level of ground fighter. And but do you think he's that, a little more prepared though for this? Like that was short notice. And um, let me, let's just, let me pull up Bobby. How, yeah. I, I mean, Bobby Green, by the way, 74% takedown defense. He's been very good defending takedowns historically. You kind of expect that with how low he keeps his hands when he strikes. Um, yeah. but like right. the problem for me is that earlier this year, you and I, you and I, I think may have been on opposite sides. Bobby Green's taken on Jared Gordon, right? Jared Gordon is a former featherweight. He's not really a top shelf contender. Gordon was having moments on the feet in that fight. I I almost wonder if we see Grant Dawson's hands a little bit, which a lot of people would say that was ill-advised, and I agree. But Dawson is probably getting a lot of striking experience in that gym at ATT with Gamrot, with Moises, with a lot. And and to your point, because it sounds like you're leaning knockout, that is the other side of the coin that you get as a value proposition if you take Dawson by knockout, is he's... Mm -hmm. Look at the dude. He's built. He's got he's got the potential to put Green out with one punch when we saw Bobby's chin against Dover. If Bob Drew if Dover, Drew Dover yeah, and Dawson Drew Dover hit, did it. Yeah, if Drew Dover and Dawson hit one of those punching machines, I would bet that their scores are pretty similar. Dawson Dawson yeah. is a very strong, excellent athlete. And I just I don't like you said, you really think Bobby's just gonna defend takedowns until Dawson is totally gassed and yeah. Just doesn't have his way. The guy just broke through Demiris Magulov's ninety percent takedown defense. Bobby Green at seventy four yeah. at his competition it's level. Nothing, man. Uh, how many I times did Clay Guida take down Bobby Green? I'm gonna look it up right now because it was an embarrassing amount. Yeah, I mean Poirier knocked him out in round one. That was back in 2016. Um, Clay Guida landed three takedowns on Bobby Green. You don't think Grant Dawson's going to land three? Tiago Moises landed two. I think I think Dawson's best. I think Bobby win. Green's best chance to win is a round one knockout. Right, and he's I never really, been the top I really do. I, I've got his no. knockdown rate here. It is incredibly small for a guy with his sample and with how many wins he's actually scored by knockout. Green, let's see here. I'm looking up his knockdown. I, in fact, actually, this might be a good transition to my model here because that's one of the factors that I have in here. Um, Bobby Green's knockdown rate, just 0.23%. How about this? Grant Dawson's at 0.27. So he's got a higher knockdown rate, more power than Bobby. So now where are we sitting? Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. I So in yeah. this fight, um, I've got, predictably so, because of Dawson uh, Green's takedown defense, I've got Dawson at 54% to win, which doesn't feel very high. Um, wow. But I don't agree with my model's assessment that Dawson will be inefficient with his takedowns. Because it's just looking at their historical efficiency. I get it, yeah. Yeah, Dawson's better now than earlier in his career. And Bobby at 37, 36, 37, probably a little bit worse. So um, right. I I think this line is justified, and I'm totally on the same page as you, where green submission defense, I think we're getting extraordinary value on a knockout prop here. Yeah. You know, I want to see what number ballpark here. What's your prediction on just a knockout in the fight for Dawson? I would say I would say Dawson TKO. Do I want to go first round? Maybe second, second round. <laughs> yeah, 
Because I think yeah, there, I, I got to think Bobby can survive for one in this, you know. I, I, there's also but, a component where Bobby is going to know how outmatched he is. I think. Right, and he's gonna try. He's gonna be smart for at least it the could, first few minutes, and then I, I have a feeling if you, I have a feeling if I took the rounds like two through four, I'm gonna really sweat that last sixty to 120 seconds of the first round. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I maybe maybe it's for the best because what Dawson's first main event. I, I think Maddie, you you're kind of turning me to two through four as the build because mm -hmm. Dawson's first main event was a gas bag against Ricky Glenn. Maybe he takes it easy. You know, maybe he doesn't go straight for it or he takes his time in round one, right? If he gets the back, he doesn't overly exert himself. Yeah. Uh, you ready but for then this? It's in time. Yeah. Dawson by KO plus four fifty. Oh my goodness. And this is, yeah. dude, isn't that the exact same number we talked about with Raul Rosas when we were on here? It was like plus 450 by knockout. In round. Oh, that was, was round one. one. That was round one. So yeah. it was a little different because he was about. Well, even no, yeah. The Bo Nickel fight was. What was the Bo Nickel KO prop? It's oh, the very similar. Like Maddie and I have gone to this one well of those two. Bunch. Yeah. And Maddie was the one who turned me onto this. I wasn't it because of the Islam Makachev Bobby Green fight where you're like, dude, I should have taken the opposite result because it was way larger. Um, yeah, it and, happens all the time. And you look at all these damn contender series fights the last three weeks. Yeah, every single time uh, a round one KO is minus one fifty, and the sub is plus seven hundred. The sub ends up hitting. Yeah, I'll say I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Take submission guys by knockout. Take knockout guys by decision. Like you'll find the most value yep. on, on crazy shit like that. That's how you find value. I love Grant Dawson by knockout in this fight. And I right. love what you said about it. It's live on the feet and yep. it's live on the ground and pound. You can get it in two different ways here. And it's the best number on Grant Dawson. I believe what's his decision. What's his decision? decision plus 230. Yeah, I just the don't. Submission plus 130. The knockout is literally the biggest number. And I think it's more likely than the decision prop. I feel like Grant is probably in trouble if this fight is going into the fourth and the fifth round because he will be the one exerting energy early. Bobby 100%. will be defending. He'll be the one grappling. We saw it against Ricky Glenn. So if you told me right now, you said, Austin, this fight will start the fourth round. I'm foretelling this to you from the future. It will start going, the fourth round. I'd lean Bobby. I'm going, I'm going one, two, three. You've convinced me. Okay. We'll, we'll go. One, one, two, three KO. Hold on. I got to tell you the numbers. Yeah. So one, two, three KO. And I don't Round think this one. is the wrong play, even if Dawson finds a submission. You're just playing the averages here. We might lose this one, but yeah. this well, is how here's we the thing. I'm going to take. Uh, well, I'm going to I'm going to have a full unit, unit and a half on Dawson inside the distance. Right. And yeah. then I'll have quarter unit props on rounds one, two, three. Round one, rounds one, two, three KO. Round one KO about plus five hundred. Round two, seven hundred. Round three, eleven 1, hundred. Okay. Interesting, interesting breakdown. I, FanDuel might also that that shows it's kind of skewed, right? Because yep. for the round one to be seven hundred and the fight to be four fifty five hundred, that's not you know. <laughs> hey, uh, FanDuel's got numbers up on this. You ready for this, Maddie? I'm about oh, to make your day. You ready dude, for this? I'm about to go on that right now. Grant yeah, Dawson yeah. KO sixteen to one round one, twenty one to one round two, thirty to one round three. You better bet those oh now, buddy. Oh my god. You better bet those now, buddy. No way. Now, just so for the behind the scenes, I work for FanDuel, so I can't bet on FanDuel. I wish I could because they've got the no best prices way. on props um in UFC. But 
those are insane numbers. Those numbers should not exist in the way that they do. They are available right now. We might move them as a chat if you want to tell. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm screenshotting these right now. Insane. Uh, a crazy value when, let's see. Honestly, they're offering plus 550, plus 750, and plus 1100 on the submission, which means if I look at, let's see. Dawson in round one, two, or three on FanDuel is plus 120, which I think is extraordinary value. He's uh, round four or five or decision is plus 145. I don't see it. Um, you could even hedge it with Bobby Green round four or five decision. So at plus 700. So um, I think the yeah. these these numbers here, the, Dawson inside the distance on FanDuel, let me tell it's got to be plus, what is it? Minus 135? Yeah, plus 140 I, by knockout. Plus yeah. 500 or plus 140 by submission plus 500 by knockout yeah so plus 500 for knockout in general i i lean with you i think i'd rather break that into rounds at those numbers yeah no 100 i agree with you that if it goes late that this could be round four or five maybe even late round three i just worry that bobby we don't know what tony ferguson is is a measuring stick at this point i will kind of have a better idea when patty fights him because we know patty's a very average lightweight in UFC given how he fought Jared Gordon. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what Tony has left in the tank and Bobby's hand speed was always kind of a nightmare matchup. I would feel differently about this fight if the Islam fight didn't exist, but Islam did that so easily. And just as a wrestler and a grappler, I think Dawson is at least within 10% of Islam. He, he's not as good as Islam, but he's very, very good. He's close based on what we saw in his last fight for sure. Agreed. Because so, yeah, agreed. Because his so right, we're we're on the same page, dude. 100%. It, excited, I'm excited for this fight. We got Morono. We're looking at Piper by submission, and we got Grant Dawson at these insane numbers. Uh, I need a historic card, man. I had I had some cards in the past where 15 unit profit, 17 unit profit. I miss those days. I feel like this is the one where I get back. I really do. If if you laugh at me, that's fine. But I'm telling you that I feel equally about hammering over significant strikes for both Kovalkiewicz and Belbita. If you play daily fantasy formats, that is my fight of the night. Hammer the significant strikes. I'm telling you, those ladies are both going over 100. Neither neither one's putting the other out. They're just going to trade in a phone booth for 15 minutes. 100%. If they don't, it's because Belbita subbed Kovalkiewicz. So maybe hedge with the money line. But like we got to build a parlay, buddy. Um, we I, need to build a winning parlay is all we yeah, need to do. Is the great we're on news a two-fight two losing streak. However, mm-hmm. all it takes is one. One parlay and we're in the green. Yeah. We, we've we been kind of going for longer. We hit our we've, first one second one? Yeah, well, first one. We've yeah, been we going – we hit the first one at like plus 180 or so. But this last couple of weeks, we've chased some cheddar. We went around like plus 390, I think, was yeah, the Yeah, we got a little greedy. We're, let's um, give the people – a not a guarantee because there's no such thing. But let's give the people a very likely two-leg parlay. My first leg, I'm going Grant Dawson inside the distance. I, that would have been my first leg. So let me. Take uh, a look. I'll I'll let you take that one. Let me look. Let, let me look. No, no. Let me take a look. I I'll okay. I'll, t- I'll find us some. I'll dig in with some some value here. Let's see. Oh, we don't have a we don't have a total yet on QT Lava. I I think <laughs> the under. Uh, man, I mean, I, as I much was, as I said, I want to, I want to give the people a, a very likely one. I, I kind of want to put, uh, um, blanking do, on name now. Do you want to throw Morono in there? You, you've got a lot on Morono as is. I don't, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> hold on, hold on. 
Who was I going to put in it? It's plus money too. Oh, Diana. <laughs> oh, I I like. I we we have dissenting opinions in in our chat. Um, I I will say I Kovalkevich is the much more experienced, more technical striker there. So I like the value with Belbita. I don't know if it's a hammer. Um, I mean, I if we wanted to get, if we wanted to just hit. Dude, I think Montana De La Rosa is a good parlay piece at minus one forty six something right now. As is Montana yeah. De La Rosa is a really nice parlay piece. And then maybe we yeah. throw it in there with something insanely chalk like Dober's money line or Piper's money line, and then that's our parlay. See, I would love to go. Uh, I would love to go. Dawson inside the distance with Piper yep. inside the distance, but the Piper line's not up yet. But we can yep. still we can still simulate that as our two legger. Okay. Uh, yeah. Do you have like a shady off sports book that we can give the idea <laughs> of what? A, uh, yeah. So basically, a parlay calculator. So Dawson yeah. at minus one thirty five. Do we? Do you have a Piper inside the distance estimate? I'm I'm probably guessing like minus two forty. Right. Let me pull up, pull up the estimate here. See what we got. If it doesn't hit, you can ban me. I, I mean, I like Morono and Dawson inside the distance. I'm just afraid Morono is going to get clipped. That's the only way I think he loses that fight is if if yeah. Morono gets starched. Right, right. Um, Pfeiffer win inside. Oh wait, hold on. That's decision, no action. <laughs> I don't have minus any two, minus two fifty. Good call. Good call. Ooh, look at that. I look a uh, got... so ready. Minus two fifty and okay. minus one thirty-five. Okay. Is our parlay. Can we throw Montana in there? You do you want to go for the I think we should try to just get one through the hoop, bro. Oh, to get back in the green. I, yeah, I, I, we I need we need that. a win in one after how much we'll what get... is that when you parlay together though? A hundred pays one forty three. That brings us in the green. Okay. We'll do it. But if we want to put Montana in there. 100 pays 311. We'll let the chat decide. You guys want the three leg or are, the two are, leg? Well, I mean, are we, yeah, for the, so that you can play either one you want. For the official parlay, are we doing the three legger with Montana in there or are we just leaving it the co main and the main favorite inside the distance? Dawson and Piper. Let's go to two leg. Just okay. J, this JJ Aldrich fights drive me crazy, man. Yeah, I, I, that's fine with me. I, I'm good All with right. that. We, we get back on track, and then next week, um, maybe we get a little creative, right? There it is. That will bring us back into the green, and that yep. is hitting. That's a, that's a ninety nine percent hitting. I I I agree. I think those are both right. Piper at minus two fifty. I I'm a little surprised that it's not higher. Like I could see that juice moving toward minus three hundred as we get to the weekend, because yep. both he and Dober are rising fast. Right. Well, remember we haven't seen the number on Fanduel yet, but we'll take that. Oh, that's true. It could be a it could be a much better number. Um yeah. it, because we we had got a much better number on Dawson with some of these knockout props. So and very right, interesting. Right. I like it, 100%. Maddie. I like it. So Hi, bro. That, yeah, it. It, we got the parlay in. That is UFC Vegas 80. As always, you can hit me up on Twitter if you have any questions. I'm at A Swain3. He is at Maddie Betts, M-A-T-T-Y-B-E-T-S-S. Right? Did I get the spelling correct there? The smear. You guys know where to find us if you found Maddie's Twitter feed. We appreciate you guys coming and listening. Sorry that you guys were off last week. We didn't have a card, but we'll we'll keep this moving anytime we have a card. Um, at right after the Contender Series next week, season finale of Contender Series. We will hammer out a time for you until next summer. 
we'll just start at that time on Tuesday because we won't have the contender series to compete against mm-hmm. at that point. We'll start at a regular time on Tuesday and we'll let you guys know what that is next week. But other than that, Matt Tanner, Austin Swaim, we're out of here. We'll see you guys next time.